So uh, today I'm returning to the um, Beatitudes, and I'm returning to the Beatitudes today, um, which are the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, and I just want us to remember that uh, these are Jesus' words. These are our God's words. These are our Lord's words. Uh, They are of the utmost importance in our life. Uh, More than any other scripture, we should be familiar with what he says uh, anywhere throughout the Gospels. Jesus is God. And the Gospels are there for God speaking to us himself. Okay, and uh, you know this the Sermon on the Mount is the Sermon of God, pretty much, right? I mean, like, if, if God came down right now and gave a sermon to you, I'm sure we'll all be open-eared and eager to hear what he has to say, but, but we're looking at his, the sermon that he gave, right? And, uh, and so we should look at it with, like, eagerness and, 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 just, and just be and willing to not be like the crowds who just wanted the miracles and all of that, but actually eager, like the disciples, to hear what he has to say and say, you know what, I didn't understand that te- Explain it to me more, Jesus. You know, uh, we have to be eager to understand, uh, rather than not being bothered to hear. Um, so let's just ask him and, and pray that uh, he gives us ears to hear and eyes to see this morning. So let's let's just pray before I, before I speak. So, Father God, Lord Jesus, I just I just want to thank you. Just for, for your word to us, I thank you. You haven't left us blind, that you haven't left us groping around trying to find you, but you've made yourself very clear and that you've preserved your word to us, you know, throughout the centuries, that it hasn't, it hasn't disappeared, that it's been, that it's been multiplied, that it's been kept safe and secure and through our archaeological findings and deep sea scrolls and all of that stuff, you know, you, you've kept your word secure to us. And I, I just want to thank you for that word and, and that we get to hear. And I just pray as we look on your word today, Jesus, uh, I, I pray help me teach it correctly first and foremost. I, you know, I don't bring uh, you know, anything incorrect before you. I pray also, Lord, that you, know, you, you open it up to, to me and to everyone here, you know, that, that, we, that you pull our hearts in that we, and you change our hearts so we don't, uh, we don't just become merely just, uh, just, we're just lis- listening but not doing, but we, we listen and respond. I, I, I just pray for that, Lord. Yeah, I know your, your word says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Let it be so, Lord, today. Bless you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Cool. Right. Hey, it's working. Brilliant. Thank you. So, um, so we've arrived at blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. Now, as I've said before, if you've caught all my other sermons so far, um, these beatitudes are broken into two parts, each and every one of them. First part uh, is always the character of a real Christian. And in this case, it's those who are pure in heart. Okay? And the second part is the reward, both now, in part, and fully, in eternity, which is, they shall see God, in this one today. Okay? Now, this beatitude, okay, I've, I've done 
so much research on this. It's, it's, it's actually funny. There's so much I've cut out of this sermon today. There is a wealth of information on this. And, and it's the reason being is this is the most central beatitude to the whole of Christian life. It's the reason we live. It's what we aim for. It, it's, like one of, it's like the top one. They're all equal, but this is like the main one to like apply to life. And everything. This is like it's the most central to the whole of the Christian faith. Okay? And uh, so, so I'm going to try and break it down the best I can, okay? Um, best I can. There's, there's, there were so many ways to tackle this. How, where do I start? Do I start here? Do I start there? Do I, how do I, you know, it's, it was really confusing. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to break it down the best I can, okay? So first off, I want to pick up on the word heart, okay? So let, let me explain something of the heart to you first, okay? Now, when we talk about the heart in our culture and all of that, we, we generally mean emotions and feelings. We, we generally mean something that kind of looks a bit like this. Right? It's, uh, you know, love candy, Valentine's Day, roses, if you can see them, kittens in baskets, you know. This is generally what our oh, heart, you know, love and all of that. And, 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 and when people... Not all of us, but when some people think about loving God, that, that, that's kind of how they think of it, you know. They're, that's how they generally think their heart is for God. They go down the route of, I, lo- I love God with all my heart, which is, which is great, but, but it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a weird way. It's kind of, oh, I emotionally love God, or, and, and it gives them somewhat of an excuse saying, oh, you know, okay, oh, yeah, okay, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I know that's not right, but I, I, generally, I genuinely love God, uh, and, you know, I, I believe them. I believe they genuinely love God in, in that respect. But all this lovey-dovey, uh, fluffy stuff, it's, it's a very far cry from what the ancient Greeks thought about the word heart. That is not what they thought about it at all. Uh, to Greeks, um, the heart was not the centre of your emotions and lovey-dovey feelings, but it was instead primarily to do with the mind. Okay? Now, Strong's Dictionary which is a Greek dictionary, uh, basically describes the word heart as uh, the center and seat of spiritual life, the soul or mind as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. The heart is the will and character of a person. Okay, is the entirety of a man or a woman. Okay, it's what makes that person. Okay, it's their very core. It's their very center. It's how they think. It's what they desire. It's what they live for. It's uh, it's what they aim to achieve, and all of these things affecting outwardly their actions and their decisions and what they say and 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 how they live on a on a day to day basis. It affects every single area of life. Okay, every single area. Okay, so 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 that's that's what the heart is. It's to do away with your thoughts about heart, about being lovey-dovey emotions this morning. It's all about the will and the desire. Okay, to 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 press on. Okay, so I'm going to break from that. Okay, so keep that in mind. <laughs> okay, I now want to go into what does it mean to see God? Okay, I want to talk about what it means to see God. Okay, so this is an interesting reward. Okay, but it's the most important reward. Okay, so far our, our rewards have been gaining heaven, um, eternal comfort, uh, satisfaction, uh, having our sin and rebellion pardoned and forgiven by God, gaining mercy uh, from Him who we offended, and this is all brilliant stuff. Okay, 
This is, this is brilliant stuff, okay? But the reward here is absolutely one of a kind. It's incredible, okay? Seeing God, okay? To see God was the main passion of every single saint in the Bible. All those who are actually righteous, it was their passion to see God. A few examples are Philip, who said to him, who said to Jesus, Look, show us the Father, that is enough for us. That's all we want, show us the Father. Uh, Moses said to God in, in the desert, please show me your glory. Okay? And he, he, was, he, was, he was one in, um, in uh, Hebrews uh, that, that says you know, he was a man of faith who, who actually achieved seeing God, you know, which is which is brilliant, seeing him who is invisible, it's brilliant. And then King David, who was a man after God's own heart, uh, said in one of his psalms, one, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and then you've also got Apostle Paul as well, who, uh, who, who a couple of times in these letters, he, he's, he's kind of going towards what it looks like might be his death, it might be his final time, it might not be, we're not sure. But, but he's kind of like, I'm not sure if, if this situation is, is, is going to, uh, you know, if I'm actually going to die here or not, church. And, and now if, if, I, if I put out dying and, and living, I don't know which one I want to choose. I mean, to, to die sounds so good because I'll be with God and I can see him. But, but, but I, will, I will put that aside for now and I will do my best to live for your benefit. But I would rather die, you know, and see my God. You know, so, so this is a passion to, to see God, okay? It was the cry of the hearts of the saints, okay? Now, there are many Greek words for just our single word, see, okay? Uh, You've you got loads. You've got, you got a word for glancing, a word for looking at a distance. Uh, 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 one just means kind of just paying attention to. Um, and, um, but in this, in this beatitude, the specific word here, it's a very specific word, is hararo. Okay? Hararo. And it means to stare at. And, and, and as implication, it means to clearly perceive, know, and experience. Okay? Now, in the Bible as well, you, you, you'll come across this saying quite frequently, seeing the face or seeking the face. Okay? And it's a kind of a saying then. Okay? But back then, to, to see the face of the king is to be accepted into his presence. Okay? It's to be allowed to be before him. Okay? And uh, they, they also have another saying as well, to hide the face, which, which means rejection. So it's kind of like, you know, get out of my face sort of thing. Right, um, it, it's, 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 it's always put in a bad light. But 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 to, to to see the face is to be in their presence, and so to see God is to be admitted and allowed into His presence. Okay, it's, it's, it's being allowed to stand before His throne. It's clearly perceiving Him, knowing Him, and experiencing Him. Okay, it's being allowed before Him. But here's a question: Why? Why would we want to be before God? What, 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 why, how is that a benefit? Because God is good, right? God is good. He is light. He is life. He is joy. He is peace. He is a refuge. He is a comforter. He is a strengthener. He is a healer. He is a helper. God is king, and being before him means experiencing the goodness of his reign, okay? It's being in his presence. It's experiencing him, okay? In heaven, okay? 
We'll experience his reign fully there after we've fallen asleep or when Jesus returns. I'm not sure which one I prefer. Um, we, we, you know, we, we will be fully in his presence, okay? In his kingdom, we will, we will not be denied access to him. Here and now, you, you can't freely, you know, um, uh, walk up to Buckingham Palace and see the Queen. You can't just, just stroll in and go, hey, how's it going? You know, it, it, just, it just doesn't work. Um, uh, yeah, you probably get a serious penalty for doing so as well. But, you know, um, but, but being there in heaven, we will have complete and utter access to him all the time. He won't be distant from us. He won't shut himself out in his palace. He will be open to us. We will be able to see him and experience him fully all the time, being in his presence every single moment. Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation says we will see him face to face, completely unhindered. Nothing in the way. But for now, but for now, it, it's, this is, we're not locked off, okay? We can still experience his presence here, okay? It's not visually, it's not with our eyes, okay? It says no man has, has seen God, and you, you probably don't want to because we probably burn up, all right? Okay? So you know, no man has seen God, okay? But we can feel him. We can know him. We can experience his help and his comfort and his strength in our troubles. We can experience his joy and peace and life and his light in whatever situation throws itself on us. We can experience him in the good and the bad. You know, we, 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 can, we can experience him. Um, you know, that some of us are doing that today, just, just praising God, just, you know, worshipping him this morning, just experiencing God. We, we can have that, you know. We have that access. And so seeing God is not just... Sin in his eyes, but clearly deceiving, perceiving, knowing, and experiencing in our lives now in every single area. And he is more beautiful and more desirable than anything else in this world. Than anything else. Um, uh, one, one of the psalmists says, uh, Who am I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. It's kind of that song this morning that we're singing as well. Um, you know, let, let everything off grow dim and, you know, let you be the, I want to see your glory, you know. It's like for this psalmist, there's nothing on earth that could please him but only God, okay. And so that's the point of this reward, okay. The ultimate goal is to see God, okay. That's it, okay. That's the ultimate goal. Now, I want to go back to the heart, and I, I, I want to ask you guys a question this morning, okay? I want you to answer it honestly, okay? I want you to think on this. I want you to reflect on this, okay? What is your goal? Seriously, what is your heart, okay? What is your will? What is your goal? What is your desire? What are you living for, okay? Is it to see God, Okay? Is that your heart? Is that your will? Is that your desire? Is that your goal? Or may it be work, or maybe uh, the promotion, or maybe, I, I don't know, uh, family, or maybe it's uh, money, or maybe it's, I don't know, fill in the blank. I don't know. Um, See, here's the thing. There are things that are good for us. Actually, another question. Is it, is it heaven? Is it religious knowledge? Is it, is, it, is it to be a minister? Is it to be... what? I mean, what is your goal? 
Okay, here's the thing. God, God promises us good, th- good gifts. Okay, He promises us heaven, and He promises us eternal life, and He promises um, a life with, uh, you know, um, no decay, no death, no, no sin. You know, problem free. Not now in, in heaven, right? Um, and, and that sounds great, right? Not having any problems anymore. It's brilliant. You know, my um, life's rife with them. But you know, you know, we don't get that here. We get that in heaven. But you know what? His gifts are good. Okay, his gifts are really good. His promises are amazing. And, and the Bible says we should hope in his promises. You know, we should hope in his promises. Our eyes should be there, not here. You know, and, and, and they are good. Okay, uh, and everything's going to be amazing and all of that in heaven and all of that. But, but, but to see God, to see God, you know, if, if that is not your ultimate goal... You know, it, 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 and if it doesn't actually phase you, whether you, there's this, there's this song I listen to, um, uh, and it has these lyrics, um, if heaven, oh no, uh, sorry, I need to remember this, so, uh, even heaven is hell, if somehow you were not there, okay? I remember this question ages ago as well, you know, if, if you could have everything, if you could have all the promises of God, if you could have all his gifts and all the goodness and, and never dying and having eternal life and all these good things in heaven and he wasn't there, would that phase you? Would that, would that be a problem to you? Or would you not care so long as you escape the flames? It's a, it's a heavy question. And if, if seeing God, if, if, if being with him is not your ultimate goal, you know, and it doesn't actually face you, then, then your heart is, I'm sorry to say, it'll be dark and it's blind. And you won't enjoy heaven because it's all about him anyway. You know? But here's the thing. This is a problem for a lot of us, okay? So I don't want to bring a word of condemnation here for you because this can be a big problem for some of us. Because, you know what? Some of us don't actually see God this way, Okay? Or we don't see him all the way, all the time in this way, okay? You know, we don't see him as this ultimate goal. We, we don't see him as the great desire of our, of our lives, you know? We, you know. we don't want to go to hell. Who, you know, who does? Who wants to go to hell, you know? But, you know, um, but we don't really want God either. And so I, I just a side note, I kind of put in my notes. Another note about seeing God is, is really seeing him as he is, you know, seeing him and knowing him properly. Because, you know, if we actually caught a glimpse of God... We would truly see that nothing else in the whole of creation compares to him. You know, he would be the actual treasure of our hearts. If we uh, uh, taste, oh, I've got it here, yeah. taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah? If we could taste him, if we could just see him, we, we would know, wow, this is amazing. Now, going back, you know, we, we don't, a lot of us don't see this God way, this way or we don't see him constantly this way. And, and, and so here's a question I want to pose. Why? Why are we like this? Why do we sometimes not see him as glorious? Or, or, or why don't some of us ever experience him at all? Why, 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 do, why, is it, you know, why, why is it we don't see him or all of that in our lives? Um, and uh, I took this, this quote. I like this. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Okay? That's the problem. I can't see that anyway. It says, Isaiah says, Behold... The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. It's not he's incapable, okay? But it's your iniquities that have made a separation between you and your God, and your sin has hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. 
Later on in this, in this chapter, it, it goes on about, you know, these people, we're pleading for righteousness, but we're, but we're, but we're not gaining anything, but we're, we're asking for light, but everything is just black, you know. And here's the thing, sin separates us from God. That is our problem, that is the main problem, the main problem of the human condition is sin, okay? And, and the problem with it is it's desirable, you know? I mean, yeah, none of us like sin, but, you know, sin is desirable. It pulls out our hearts, you know. And, 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 and you know, there's the reason for a fall. The whole of the Bible, the whole of this book is about the fall of mankind and the fact that mankind sucks and <laughs> can't do anything. That's the whole point of the book, that we are separate from God. And so... And there's, an, there's another half to that, of course, but I'll come to that. But, he's, but, he, but where does sin come from? Is it the devil? You know, is it, is it a demon? I mean, a lot, some of us think that way. Oh, the devil's causing me to sin. Oh, this, oh you know, him, he's, he's at it again with his little fork or whatever he has. Right? So, you know, but this is what God has to say about sin. This is what God has to say. This is what Jesus has to say, right? Watch. What comes out of a person is what defiles him, what makes him unclean, impure. For out from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, from your heart. They are what defile us. So it's not Satan. Satan just kind of stirs it up. It's like, he knows how evil we are. It's like, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll just provoke them because it'll, it'll come out. That's all he does. You know, it's from here. In Jeremiah, God says through Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? A heart's a sick, church. It's the way it is. Okay? We're struck with the disease of sin. Sin is often um, described as a cancer, um, especially by a lot of uh, commentators on the Bible and, and whatever else. It's described as a cancer, and, and it's true. It is a cancer. Okay? The second we let sin in the world, it, it gains control. Right? Okay? It's taken over every single part of us separating, us, separating us from God and blinding us to his goodness. It blinds us, it deafens us, it deadens us. It's just what sin does. Okay? It's a cancer, it's a sickness. Now the opposite of the beatitude today, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, is, is in Hebrews. It's a counterverse in a sense. Those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Holiness is being set apart, it's being pure. So those who are not pure, those who are not holy, will not see the Lord. So here's the answer. A lot of the time we don't see God as amazing, and we don't experience his goodness because our hearts aren't clean. They're impure. I find one of the hardest things, one of the hardest things about being a Christian is, is, is feeling like you know, when you give your life over to God, you kind of feel like, I should be perfect from now on. Even though I came as a mess. I, things should just work out now, really. Maybe my life, my situations won't be perfect, but I should be. 
But, you know, you, you don't see that. You just see problems and you, yourself messing up time and time again. You know, we're told that Christ has paid for our sin and removed it, and he has. But yet we are constantly aware that we continue to sin every single day of our lives. And for some of us, that causes us distress and, and worrying. Paul says, is it Paul? Yeah, it's Paul. Paul says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I, I, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I, I want to do what is good, but, but I don't. And I, 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 I don't want to do what is wrong, but I keep doing it anyway. Okay? You have this kind of this desire to do good and, and this desire not to do bad, and, uh, but, but he's struggling with it. And there's this internal struggle going on. And, and the trouble is sometimes we're not like Paul. So, uh, sometimes it's, it's even worse. Sometimes it's not, oh, I want to do good and I don't want to do bad. Sometimes it's, I want to do bad and I don't want to do what's right. We, we, we get like that. I feel like that sometimes. You know, that's, that's just how it is. You know, the trouble is we don't always feel like Paul like that. We, we want to sin. We want to spend time away from God. Our hearts stir us to desire that which is wrong, you know. And, 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 and the brilliant part of this, I mean brilliant, not good, it's, it's bad, but the, the, brilliant, the clever part of this, with sin and all that, is it's not always to do with the things we know are definitely evil. Okay? Not all of us are going around sleeping around with people and, and murdering everyone we see and whatever else. You know? uh, there, there are other ways that, that our sinful hearts prevent us from seeing God's. God, right? It can, it can give us good things that aren't sinful in and of themselves, but distract us from his glory. Okay? Football, gym, games, TV, spending time with friends and family, they're all good things. Okay? Not, there's, there's no condemnation on any of them. You know, you know, I know, I know there are some Christians in like the US Bible Belt who go, oh, you can't watch football and this, of the devil, you know, and all of that stuff. Or rock music is of the devil. I, I heard that a lot growing up, so I, I love rock music. But, like, um, it, it's, it's, it's silly. There's no, there's no need to condemn. There are certain things I'd say, you know, don't watch that because that is, like, obviously disgraceful. But, like, you, you can't condemn movies and all that in and of themselves. There's no condemnation for that sort of stuff. But... They're only good in moderation, right? The second they become an obsession, or the second they rival importance with God, or the second they become some sort of goal, or some sort of pain relief, or whatever it is, um, they become a snare. Simple as that. The greatest command in, 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 in the Old Testament that Jesus picked up on um, was love the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart. Okay? Here's the truth. The second you fall short of that command, which I, I agree with probably everyone here, is probably often, you're sinning. second you fall short of it, you're in sin. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. Okay? Here's the thing. Here's, here's kind of what he means by that. It's, it's, it's not that you can have two masters and you're, you're torn between them. It's the fact that you only ever have one master. That's it. Everyone serves something. That's, 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 it doesn't matter if they acknowledge it or not. You serve something. Okay? And, and the point of you can't serve two masters is the fact that only one of them will be your master. Okay? So if anything ever tries to rival God, I can promise you, you're not serving both of them, you're serving one of them, and it is not God who you're serving. 
It's the other thing. Promise you, every single time. Okay? We are, uh, I'm not sure if it, I'm quoting uh, David or not, but uh, our, our hearts are a factory of idols. I think that's David's quote. We are basically really fickle, faithless people. Uh, that's just what we are as a human race as a whole. Okay? We constantly wrestle with desiring things that are not God. Okay? But here's the thing. Jesus cares more about our hearts than our outward appearances. Okay? He cares more about that. Okay? Uh, I'll, I'll give you the Pharisees. I did a bit of a history, uh, his, yeah, history research on these guys. Okay? So, so um, basically the whole of Israel is messed up. And they're completely faithless in everything they ever do. Okay? And, um, and it got to such an extreme point. You have these, um, uh, these, these extra books in the Bible you can get. And, and part of the Maccabees. And basically there's this big war that went on. Um, and, um, and, it was, and, and, and when, when it was won and all of that, and Israel was saved once again, which is good... Um, the Pharisees kind of arose from that, in a sense. And, 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 and the problem was they saw that mingling and desiring everything else was, was a problem and creating more and more of a problem for Israel. So with good intentions, they set apart to, okay, we need to, um, we, we need to devote ourselves completely to God now. This is, we can't have this happen again. Our nation cannot handle it any longer, at least frequent attacks. And, and so, um, when, by the time Jesus comes along, they, they've kind of initiated this kind of uh, this works-based thing, um, where uh, they're, they're just kind of uh, I don't explain it. So, so, so they've kind of they, they, they're holding fast to the Bible, okay, more so than the Sadducees in, in, in a sense, because they just kind of and, 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 and at the time the, the Roman Empire has taken over, right? The Roman Empire has taken over, and um, there are a sect. Uh, of like the priests called the Sadducees, and they kind of they're allowing the mingling of Roman gods and Roman philosophies and or Greek mythology and all of that. It's called Hellenism into their um, into their culture and starting to define their religion and stuff like that. And the Pharisees were completely against it. They were like, "No, I'm not allowing this." Okay, and and they but they they didn't just hold on to the Bible. They held on to their oral trend, uh, traditions, which eventually became greater than the Bible, and which is what Jesus highly criticised them for. And basically, it all just became a, uh, all about this is what I do. Okay, I do this. I don't watch this. I do that. I um, you know I, I've got to scrub uh, you know I've got to scrub my my pot and my plate. I've got to you know before I eat and wash my hands. I've got to I've got to do this. I've got to do that because if we can live perfectly, God will come again. And God will redeem us, and we will see Him. You know, and they were held in very high regard by all the people. They were well, more, more esteemed than the Sadducees. Okay. Um, but <laughs> but Jesus, um, Jesus didn't care for their traditions, which is why they were so, what? Because you know, they held their traditions higher than God's law. Because they thought their traditions explained God's law. Um, they didn't. And, and Jesus... Just said, you know, Jesus doesn't care about the outward appearance. Jesus, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, a famous preacher, he says, you know, it doesn't, um, Jesus wouldn't be content in a world where there was just no sexual immorality and no this and no that, okay? Um, he doesn't care about the outward appearance of things because if there's problems going on in here still, it's not good to him, okay? See, the Pharisees seem perfect to everyone, they kept up their appearance very well. Um, but Jesus said that inwardly they were dirty and full of dead men's bones. And the people's righteousness 
they, he told the people that their righteousness had to exceed that of the Pharisees, which was mind-blowing for them because they thought the Pharisees were perfect. Okay? But he was like, no, 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 your righteousness has to surpass theirs because what they seem to practice, they are not doing inside. Okay? See, to Jesus, not murdering is not enough. The real issue is hating and seeking revenge. Okay? Not having an affair is not enough. Simply desiring another woman, even if it's not sexually, uh, is other than your wife, is sinful. It is lust. That's it. Lust is desiring something that is not yours in terms of the Bible. If you des- and, so, and so he just points every single thing back from the Ten Commandments at the heart. Okay? Here's the thing, your outward actions, church, are not enough if your heart is elsewhere, whether you go to church, whether you're religious, wherever, okay? It doesn't matter what you do. If your heart is a mess, you are not right before God. He doesn't care about your outward actions. He cares about here. He says, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. They worship me in vain. So another question I'd like to throw back is... uh, who was actually engaged with God in worship this morning, or who was just muttering along to the lyrics, because there is a difference. There is a difference. Let's get on to purity. So, Jesus calls for us to have a different heart. He wants us to have pure hearts. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, they had these laws, and they're called purity laws. Okay? Um, or at least we call them purity laws, but I don't actually know what they're called. But um, doing certain things, basically. So, so back then you had the temple, well, it was more of a tent, and you had the altar and all of that, and, um, and people would go and they'd present themselves to God, before God. So they would actually go before this tent where God himself was in, and it was very visible that he was there. And, and they would go there, they would present sacrifices and whatever, right? But um, you had to be in a certain condition to do that. Okay, you had to be in a certain condition to go before him, his presence. Okay? And doing certain things or being in a certain state made you impure okay? or unclean. Okay? And this, this, this includes uh, it's a whole bunch of stuff, and some of it seems quite random. So it's like it includes eating, uh, making sure you only eat certain animals. So certain animals, eating them made you dirty or whatever. Um, uh, having sex would put you in an impure state, giving birth. Uh, coming into contact with dead people or animals uh, and having an illness or a disease. All of those made you impure. Now, the point is, these weren't sinful things, okay? That, that wasn't the point. The point was they, they weren't sinful, okay? And, and being in that state of impurity wasn't sinful, but approaching God in that state of impurity was, okay? You couldn't enter his presence without first, uh, the procedure is roughly just having a bath, uh, waiting till the evening, and, and then going and offering a sacrifice for, uh, for, for being impure. Okay? And if you didn't do that, and you've attempted to go to the altar in an impure state, and you have a couple of examples in the Bible where they tried, um, God himself would kill you, pretty much. He just burned them up. And that seems harsh. You think, well, you know, I mean, you know, he's, he's only ill, you know, or, oh, he's only, you know, he's, you know, I mean, you know, he had to carry, you know, he had to bury his dead father for crying out loud. You know, why can't he go before you? But, but it seems harsh, but, but this is the point. God is holy. God is so pure. Too pure. No, too is saying he should be less pure, so no, maybe ditch that word. But he, he is, he's perfectly pure. 
okay? Uh, it's, it's like the sun. I've got a nice picture of the sun. There you go. Okay? He, he, he's like the sun in, in, in terms of anything that comes near... That the sun is good, right? It gives us light, it gives us life, you know, it provides... The, you know, trees are like the sun, obviously, because they grow in it and stuff like that, right? And, and, and I'm always happier when it's sunny. I can tell you that. I'm always happier when it's sunny. Uh, I don't like all the clouds that come in. But... Um, probably should live somewhere else, really, <laughs> but no, um, if I don't like that. But, <laughs> um, but, but here's the thing, it's, it's kind of, it's good, but who, who wants to take a rocket trip to the sun? I'm going to put my hand up, because I don't, <laughs> it's just, it's, no, you, you wouldn't do that, okay? It's, here's the thing, God is good, but he's so good that He is absolutely dangerous to anything that isn't good. It's absolutely dangerous to anything that doesn't match his purity. Okay? And so being pure to, 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 to their culture, to, to the Israelites, to the Jews, was, was, was being, um, sorry, it meant being able to see God. Okay? It meant being able to go to the temple. It meant being able to be in his presence. And it meant that being impure, you couldn't unless you were cleansed first. Okay? That's what it meant to them. Okay? So then... Here's the thing, when, when Jesus tells us in order to see God, we need to have clean, pure hearts, we instantly find ourselves in a bit of a, well, we have a problem, basically, you know, because here's the thing, we want to see God, we want to go before God, but our hearts are sick, twisted, wicked, unclean, and impure. And the thing is, we need them singly focused on God, not on anything else. And we need them free for yeah we need them free from any other desire whether those desires are good or not and we need them obviously free from sin and from corruption okay and and, and if and, and if, if you've listened to uh, the, the second beatitude or whatever it this all closely ties in with the second beatitude of mourning sin and hating sin okay um, we need but here's the thing we we need to not just hate sin in the world or hate people's sin or hate our own sin but we need to also hate our desire to sin because we do. I'm just going to say, we, we desire to sin, okay? Now, here's the question. How? How are we going to get into this state so we can be in the presence of God, okay? Now, if you've listened to some, some of my other sermons I've done so far, you'll notice the pattern on how I say we attain these character traits, okay? So here's the thing. How do we become pure in heart? What do we do, okay? So um, pretty much nothing. There's nothing we can really do in one sense, Okay? Um, see, the main problem with the Israelites, who, and, and you've got to understand here, guys, you know, they were brought up by Egypt, out of Egypt by God, okay, the Israelites. You know, they, they, were, you know, they saw what God did. They saw these incredible miracles. They saw God in a, in, in a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. They, they saw these incredible um, um, events in, in the wilderness as well. They got to see God and not just see God descend on this mountain in flame and, and, and just, you know, like a... Uh, like this, this mountain turns into like this volcano sort of thing where, it, where the fire descends rather than the fire coming out, right? They actually heard God's voice. They, you know what? They actually heard the Ten Commandments spoken to them and then they told Moses, please don't let him speak to us anymore because we're terrified. You know, these guys witnessed God, okay? They actually got to witness God, okay? And yet, even though all of that happened, they were still unfaithful, they couldn't, they just, they still complained. Even after all the good God did to them, they were like, why are you trying to kill us in the desert, God? God's like, what are you on about? 
I just brought you out of Egypt. I'm bringing you into another land. Why are you complaining? You know? All of this, they still sinned, and they still worshipped other gods. One of the first major sins they did was they, 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 got a, a, they, they built a golden calf, and they said, this is the god that brought us out of Egypt. I mean, what a joke. What an absolute joke. What a slap in the face. And so, you know, Moses, before his death, and Joshua, before his death, told them that the problem was their evil hearts, that they couldn't obey God. That was their issue. Their hearts were too hard. They saw these incredible feats of power, and it's funny because some people say, oh, if I could just, if God shows me himself visually, I'll be fine. I'll I'll be the best Christian in the world. But no, you wouldn't. If the Israelites couldn't, you definitely wouldn't. You know? They saw these powerful things, and and, and they were just, they were spiritually blind, they were spiritually deaf, and they were just spiritually dead to God. They couldn't change their hearts. And so here's the thing, and here's the thing that God recognised, well, God already knew. They need a saviour. They need someone to get them out of this, because they're never going to get out of this mess otherwise. The answer from rescuing our hearts from evil desires, or just desires for things that aren't God to church, is Jesus. He's the answer. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesied this. This is God's words. I will sprinkle clean water on you, And you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness. Amen. Bless God. And, and, and here's the thing, when Jesus was on the earth, he, he's, he's kind of, his miracles, okay, I, some, 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 it's amazing, because uh, I can't remember when I learned this, but basically his miracles were parables in and of themselves. Okay? The real healing we need is not physical, but it's our spiritual blindness, our spiritual deafness, and our spiritual deadness toward God. Okay? Uh, 1 John says, The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. From all sin. Okay? Uh, Hebrews says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. By the way, I just want to side note blood is shorthand for meaning the whole of his death, by the way. It's not about praying and calling for the blood to be poured out, it doesn't pour anymore. Okay, it's just a whole bunch of spiritual mumbo-jumbo that's lost in a lot of people mistranslating his word. Some biblical, it's incorrect, it's irrelevant. Okay, it's about his death and what he did in that moment 2,000 whatever years ago. Right? How amazing. His death, church, this is it, his death has cleansed us from our sins. We should be rejoicing in that. It's cleansed. Okay? He has purified us. We are able to go into the presence of God, not because we can help ourselves, not because our hearts, our hearts are clean in and of themselves, and it's because Jesus cleans them. He does it. That's what he did. That's the whole point of believing in him and trusting in him. Okay? And it's, it's, the thing is, we, we, he takes our in, unclean, impure hearts, he takes all the sin out of us, and he gives us his purity, his purity, that he worked through the time he was alive, he was perfect, he was pure, he was spotless, and we get that. 
we get his perfectness. Okay? We are not imperfect of ourselves. We should fall to our knees and say, I am not worthy. I am but a dead dog. But you, you are amazing. You have given me this. Thank you for your grace. If it's not for your grace, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't be anything. I, could, I would never live. I would deserve eternal death and punishment. And I still kind of feel like I do. But thank you, Jesus. You are amazing. Now, I said in one sense we can't do anything, and that is true. We, we, we can't choose to follow God in and of ourselves. God wakes us up. He's the one who calls us up from the dead. He's the one who heals our eyes and our ears. Okay? No one finds God. Okay? Uh, God reveals himself. He finds us. Okay? But, you need to hear this, it's important. When we are in God, when we have been cleansed and we are free, Okay, we have a responsibility. Okay, the Bible is not without responsibility. We are fully saved by the grace of God. Okay, and we are changed also now. We are being sanctified, is the word. We're being made more holy and holy every single day by the grace of God. But while we are on earth, we also have a part to play. Okay, this is not earning salvation, this is not earning purity. Okay, just making that note because I, I don't believe in saving works. Works do not save you, works do not get you clean, God, work, works do not get you anything. Okay, okay, that is that's the truth, but we still have a part to play. God does all the main work, but we still have a part to play. Okay, uh, I, I didn't put this one up because it's a longer verse, so I'm just going to read this out. This is from 2 Peter. Peter's the you know, guy. The apostle who spent his time with Jesus and all that. He's, the main, he's one of the three main disciples in, in his little crowd. Okay. Peter says at the beginning of his second letter, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's basically, he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. He gives us it to us. And it's through the knowledge of him, through the intimate knowledge of him who has called us, who has, uh, of him who called us to his own glory and his own excellence. And it's by his glory and excellence, which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. And, and that through those promises, uh, you may become partakers of the divine nature, escaping or having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Amen. Yeah? He does it. And he goes on, he says, for this reason, because he has done these things, because he has brought us up out of corruption, because of this... Make every effort. Basically, do something, okay? And and he he lists what you do, okay? He says, make every effort to supplement your faith, your belief in this, with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. If you're not living for Christ with a pure heart, then you're just proving yourself blind and possibly not even his, okay? Uh, it's, we have a duty to kind of maintain this. We have a duty to get on with it, okay? We have a duty to 
you know, um, sometimes we, oh, I don't feel like doing this, I don't feel like this. And sometimes, I mean, I've had to learn this. I just had to grow up eventually and just think, you know what, I, I don't want to read my Bible the same, I'm going to do so anyway. Or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to act this way, or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to worship God, but I'm just going to put myself there. You know, sometimes we just have to do that. It's, it's, just, it's just the way it is. Okay? Because here's the thing, a tree is known by its fruit. Okay? And here's the thing, if, if, you, if your life isn't being constantly changed from the inside out, then you really need to seriously, because remember, it's not just about your deeds out here, it's, it's whether the change is happening here, okay? Um, you, or here, yeah. Um, you seriously need to evaluate your salvation if you really aren't living that way. And, uh, and that's not condemnation, because you can go to God for forgiveness and for his help, okay? Because he gives it to everyone who turns to him and away from their sins. And we can be in this condition as Christians, as fully saved Christians as well. We can be in this condition where... Uh, the Bible says we should probably evaluate ourselves now and again to just make sure Paul says you know after preaching I, I study myself to make sure I'm in the faith you still you know I need to make sure that you know I don't lose out here you know now I want to give a bit of encouragement as well just before I end um, as Christians we do go through dry spells and horrible times where we don't really feel like we love God and we serve and we don't want to be we don't want him at all. And uh, kind of like the clouds that block out the sun on a horrible day in England, um, you know, uh, sometimes we can't see him as beautiful. Uh, I want to give you some encouragement in that. See, like last week, um, it's funny, every time I preach on something, I'm always hit by it before I get to, get to preach it. Um, last, last week, one evening, Tam asked if we could just spend some time worshipping God. And uh, I'd already made, made plans in my mind of what I wanted to do that night, you know. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to watch this film, I'm going to do this. And, uh, and, she was, and she just said, oh, you know, I really feel we should spend some time worshipping God. And um, <laughs> much to my disgrace, I, I was like, oh, okay. And I was, I'll be honest, I was really reluctant. I was actually completely unwilling. And, I, 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 and, and, and that annoyed me as well. The, the second I thought it, it annoyed me. And I thought, why not? You know, God has done all this for you. He's, you know, he's amazing. He's, he's brought you this far in life. You know, he's, he's good to you. You're going to heaven and all this. Why can't you worship him right now? Why can't you worship the God you've devoted your life to? And so for the next week, I literally hated myself for feeling that way. I, I questioned my salvation, did the lot, did the lot, you know. And um, I eventually, reluctantly, initiated this, uh, an evening of prayer with Tam. This is about a week later. <laughs> Said, all right, we'll, we'll do it now. <laughs> Uh, I, didn't, I still didn't feel like it. And um, Anyway, we, we had an evening of prayer, and, and, and Tam prayed for me, and, and God gave her this scripture for me, and, uh, and, and it was really encouraging. And I, I really just want to share it with you, basically, before we end, because it is really encouraging. This is from Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out, into the, uh, he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. Uh, it was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy over those bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you. You shall live. 
I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and, and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and behold there were, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus is the Lord God. Behold, I will open your graves and rise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and rise you from the graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will, I will place you in your own land and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. And you have this, this other thing in, um, in Kings with Elijah, and he, he, he's, he's, he's fighting these prophets off in a sense and having a competition with him. And he, and he says, okay, we'll, we'll both build an altar, and the one who responds with fire, that's the real God. Okay, so, so, he resp- so, um, so these guys call down, and, and no fire comes down. So Elijah goes up, and he soaks his wood to the ground three times. And then he asks God, come down, and he burns everything up, okay? So here's the thing, my God can change you, and my God can give you life and fire. It doesn't matter how dead you are towards him, if you're just bones, it doesn't matter how drenched the wood of your heart is to him, he can give you muscles, sinew, and the breath of life. He can set fire to the wood and consume it, whether you're going through a dead patch in your walk, or if you just plain don't know him, or even hate him, he can change you, he is mighty to save. So during the time of your drought, cry out to him like the psalmist, Hide not your face from me. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Do something. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you, both to desire and to work his good pleasure. Do anything and everything you can to seize the reward of seeing God, knowing that he is never enough. Constantly asking for his grace to open your eyes. Pray with the psalmist, unite my heart to fear your name. Let not only be divided, but centrally focused on you. If we will persist, you will see him. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Trust in him. He will break through. And don't let your apathy get in the way. Okay? Amen. Amen. Uh, okay, sorry, I've pushed my time. I'm really sorry about that. So uh, can, can the people who are doing a communion come up and serve, please? And, um, and we'll, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just pray and close. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time, and I just want to thank you. Just yeah, yeah. We, thank you. You reveal yourself, and I pray that's exactly what you do to us. So many times we we kind of think, oh man, I really don't want God right now, or I I'd rather do this right now. I'd rather do that, and uh, I just pray let be the desire of our hearts, Lord. Literally be the central focus of everything we do. Um, we all struggle and we all need you and you're the one who gives us life. So I just pray, please give us life in the times we struggle. Please give us the willingness to actually work past our desires for other things. And, um, and yeah, just, 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 just please just uh, 
continue to stir us. Thank you that everything you start within us, you will complete. Uh, I just pray you continue to change our hearts, Lord, every, every step of the way. Get us focused on you, Lord. You are good. And I just want to thank you as we go into communion as well, just that it's all to do with your son, and, and your son has won us this incredible victory. Uh, I just thank you so much, Jesus. Uh, you know, why we don't desire you as often as we do, I'll never know, but please keep working in us, because you are incredible, you are beautiful, you are the most amazing thing in all of eternity, and we look forward to the day, we, uh, where we, or we at least want to say we look forward to the day where we can see you face to face. Keep changing our hearts now in the meantime. Bless you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.